Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for listening. It's Laurie Forner here. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. Uh, thanks again, everybody who has pledged to support the podcast. And if you haven't, you can head over to podbean.com, search for the podcast, and you can become a patron. There are patron-only episodes as a way of saying thank you. Um, and I will be doing more of those uh, each month. Uh, for everyone else, just listening, subscribing, rating is perfect and awesome. So thank you. Today, I've got Sandy Hilton back with me. We thought we would discuss some really good tips on how to search for journal articles. It is not just hard and time consuming and complex for myself. I think it is for everybody. So hopefully these tips will help everyone be able to work out where the articles are that they're looking for. And now as an added bonus, because I have an addiction to infographics, I've made a little infographic with um, the summary of this podcast. You'll find it on social media, which is at Pelvic Wad, so P-E-L-V-I-C-W-O-D, or my website, lauriforner.com, and I'll try to link it to the, sh- to, um, <laughs> to the part of this podcast. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, okay, well, I thought that we could talk about how to search for research articles. Now, this generally has come because I'm not sure about you, but I do get emailed questions, um, as well as on um, Facebook groups, social media, on how to, not even how to find an article, but I am doing this project. Um, Can you please give me some research and some articles relevant to this? And I thought it'd be really good to chat about that and maybe give some tips and hints on how people can do it, mainly, at least from my point of view. um, It, even though, I think I was telling you before, even though I am looking at the research every day and I'm writing about it and I'm doing all these things, I can't remember the million articles that I've read. (laughs) So if somebody asks for one, even though I think I might know who the author is, I'll usually have to stop what I'm doing, put it into the search engine, look for it, try not to fall down a rabbit hole and still Mm -hmm. come up with so many articles that that takes me a good like 15 minutes. And then, and then there's that other part where you download it and then you find out that it's copy number seven because yes. you've downloaded it six other times intending on reading it. Yeah. So I thought maybe, um, I, I don't know, cause I don't, I know that people are genuinely, um, you know, we, we want to share and we want to collaborate. We want to work with each other and we want to help each other, especially in the Facebook groups. Um, I'm, but I'm just not sure if people understand how much time it takes to actually find the article that you're looking for and that sometimes you do need to put in a little bit of grunt work to find things. Yeah. Um, so, so how would you start? You should have a question. You're like, I want to know more about blank. And one of the things that I've learned over the time is that I'm just crap at coming up with good search terms that narrow it down. 
Um, and that's a trial and error uh, problem. So say I want to learn about um, someone that has trying to think of something that I've just had at the clinic that I looked up. It was a um, someone that had constipation issues and um, some very strange pains in another part of their bodies. And I was trying to sell them the idea that that was related to constipation. And, and essentially they said, can you prove it? Which to me is pull up the research. Um, so, so getting on PubMed is my go-to. I will start with PubMed. Um, and that's probably just habit. You could also start with Google Scholar. Um, if you are affiliated with a university, um, and so because I'm a current student, we have a university kind of online collection database that you can put in the search terms, which is very similar to PubMed and Google Scholar, and all of it can come up. And I know that I haven't looked into it because I'm a current student, but I think if people have gone to university before, I think there's some way that if you are an alumni, you may be able to pay a certain amount of money to have access to the library database. It depends on the institution. Yes. Um, another way you can do it, especially for those listeners in the U.S., uh, which I know there are at least 1,012. Um, the, How do you know that? Uh, well, I don't know. For oh. <laughs> when we do pain science and sensibility, I say there's six listeners. I'm just giving okay. you credit. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> the... Um, that one of the ways in the U.S. that a clinician can get access is to take students because the the universities that the students are attending will often give the clinical instructors access to the library database. Um, so rather than spending $47 for an article, you you could take a student for 12 weeks and, and have access to a lot of articles. So that's another way. Um, and another people way should for look into us- that because I know that some people here, if they teach a course or a lecture through a university, I don't think they actually get access, which is weird. Uh, and they should. Yes. Um, you know, we say we want evidence-based practice, but the evidence is hidden behind paywalls. And I, I don't think that's right. And And I say that as the daughter of a publisher. So... <laughs> well, um, and the people who are doing all of the work aren't the ones getting paid either, which they are not. No, um, it's, so it's funny. so that brings up another really good way to get access to an article is that the corresponding author on author on a, a topic can send you the article. Yes. So when you when you look at a PDF and you would like to get it and you find out it's behind a paywall, you can look up the corresponding author and send them an email and ask them for the article and they'll send you a PDF most of the time within two or three days. Yes. Now that's um, if you can find the article that you're looking for. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes. So, but the but the researchers love to have their research read. So for clinicians out there listening, understand that those people doing research or writing papers or writing commentaries, we want it read and, and shared, and we, but we want it, it shared, shared so that you can track the sharing, which is why sharing it via the links that you get through PubMed or with the yep. DOI allows um, just a, you know, it, it's not even, now it's not even about publishing. It's also about how much impact does your research have and in order to work out how much right. impact it has, they need to be able to track it. Right. 
so the, all of those things matter, just like like uh, those of us in private practice look at, at search engine optimization and how many times people are coming to our websites. That's the same thing that happens with researchers. And it turns into money and impact factor and ability to get grants and things like that. So much like back in the day when we would just, I don't know, people who might you know, copy music for someone else, um, the person who made the music isn't getting the money. When we do that with papers and we share them around without it going through a link, it's not something that the authors are seeing and that can decrease their chance of getting funding. And I think that's a thing that, that clinicians don't really appreciate is that that ability for funding is what happens to let the research happen. So it's such a complicated issue. So I have a, you know, so, so I got this person with, with constipation issues and I'm trying to show them something and I want to go on, on PubMed or Google Scholar or Google or Pedro is another really the lovely evidence. What does it stand for? The physiotherapy it's, evidence database. Yeah. And, and they just made up initials to make it make a word. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> good to know. So you don't have to come up with all the words. Um, the, the, those, those things can give us access and we need to have good keywords. Yes. So when you're, when you're searching and if I'm looking um, for whether it's something on pain, if you just, if you just put pain in there, you're going to find 712,000 hits and it's not going to help you inform your, your search. Um, you do want to identify the subject and you want to try and narrow the range. Um, but have, and but have a few keywords generally. A few keywords. Um, so let's, let's say, do you have a, do you have a person in mind that we would search for, Laurie? Look, I think sometimes a lot of the, the questions that I might see, um, or that people are looking for, um, you know, say if it revolves around incontinence or prolapse, generally because because I'm looking at prolapse, um, some of the little things that I was writing down was if somebody wanted to look at you know, just putting in prolapse, you're going to get disc prolapse, you're going to get, you know, all different types of prolapse. So then when people think, okay, well, you know, if you're looking for keywords, you know, you can, um, you can use phrases, but we'll get into that in just a second. But even thinking about more specific prolapse, so cystocele, or rectocele as a more of a keyword rather than just putting in prolapse. That will help a lot. And that can save a lot of frustration for people when they're like, well, I looked and I didn't find anything. The problem isn't isn't that it's not there. It's that the word you used didn't pull up the data you wanted. Yes. And then we then have to also think about like with a word. And this is why like the if for our example, you know, in part for today, um, as one example, cystocele is spelled different in different countries. So if something is spelt differently, there's actually this thing called a truncation feature that you can put in when you're searching for something. So if you think of just one word, cystocele, so here we would spell it C-Y-S-T-O-C-E-L-E. Actually, I don't even know which country that's spelt in. I can't remember now because that's how I spell it. So yeah, I'm like, weird. wait a minute, that's not what I. That's <laughs> wait, not yeah. how I spell it. That's the same. <laughs> no, because um, we're we're getting you to speak American. No, because here I think they spell it, or at least in England, C Y S T O C O E L E. 
Yes, that's right. Yes. The, the O-E. Yes. So, but the truncation feature means you, you start to spell the word, but then you put an asterisk where the end of the word is different. So it would be C-Y-S-T-O-C asterisk. And then mm-hmm. it will look for anything with that beginning part and then something that is different at the end. Right. Yes, but you know what else I saw, which I've never used before, that you can put a question mark in the place of a spelling difference for different countries. So where the O was, you could just put a question mark in the middle of the word. Oh, that's very cool. But I've never tried that. Because it's the same. There's there's the difference between S's and Z's between yes, the U.S. Yeah. spelling for things and both Cana- uh, well, Canadian and the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> the um and that can make a difference and you're like i can't find anything like if you're looking for a good questionnaire to use for prolapses and you put in and you spell cystocele american you you type another word in that has an s instead of a z you're gonna you think that there aren't any questionnaires like if you're looking but, at standardization which would be a really good yeah, example and, of a and word you'll think, well, you'll think well no one's done that but what really has happened is that you spelled it in a way that didn't capture all the things that were done. Um, and and that we don't always see either. And it can lead to frustrations in clinicians. So then you end up on Facebook pages asking for things and, um, and, and people are like, well, that exists. And I've done that myself as an American where I'm like, you, the, the Australian um, 24 slash whatever oh 24 dash 7 for like 24 hours right sorry slash uh, that that i would find out what people were talking about because that's not something we use in america so you're on these international groups on facebook trying to keep up with the evidence and running into things like i have no idea what you're saying and and it's just a, a difference in in how we document how we talk about things um and those those differences can make it make it be that when we're looking for information, we think it doesn't exist, or we find a lot of things. So the question mark would be a, a nice, handy tool. A very interesting one, I thought. Again, I haven't tried that yet, and I think. With doing this podcast episode, I don't want to make people feel bad when they ask. I just want people to understand that it's not only them that have trouble. Like, I still will try to do a search, and I'm like, why can't I find anything? So I go back and I say, wait, let me put a Z where I put an S. Yes. Or I'll add an O after that. And now you can and use the little truncation now feature. Now use the question or the truncation. Yes. Um, and then when I do that, I find things that I didn't even know existed because... I was looking through a filter that was filtering out what I wanted. Yeah. That's only if we're looking at one word, which I don't think I've ever done a search where I literally put in one word and nothing else because often you will get 12,000 articles or more that have that one word. So I have, no, that's not even true. Even if you put in testicle, you're going to get things you don't want. So you have to have a phrase or you, you have to have a question. I'm having a pause because I'm thinking I really wish I had listened to this podcast 10 years ago um, already. (laughs) It's like, this would have helped me. Um, I've used things like, like, I know this isn't the right question, but Google is very helpful. And if I put in leading cause of testicular pain in men 40 to 60 years old, that I'm going to get a list of things 
that I'm not looking for. Mm. But but I can also use that list to winnow it down to get to better words. Um, and, and that's something to not get frustrated by, but it takes dedication to also not get lost in the rabbit hole of, wow, that's a thing. Let me go read on that. And two hours later, you still haven't done the search you wanted to do, yes. but you know about problems you didn't know existed. And what Um, happens if you put that whole sentence into something like a search engine like PubMed or Google Scholar? Google Scholar, it will work. Google, it works well. So this almost goes backwards from what I was saying. If you have a defined Mm -hmm. phrase or question, PubMed's where I start. If I have a, a partial phrase, I start in Google Scholar because it will filter out um, things that, that, that don't meet the standards. Like, um, like goop doesn't show up on Google Scholar that I've ever found um, because it's a it's an opinion site hmm. and there aren't citations for it. Um, but if I don't have if I have a big question and I don't know what words to search for, then I will start in Google proper and and see what comes up and let that help me create the keywords the or phrases. Yeah, the keywords or phrases. And there are also social media platforms that let you put in keywords or phrases that you're looking for, and they'll tell you words that are most commonly used. Um, Those are are shifting all the time. Um, Probably something we could put in show notes for you of what what is currently out there. There, it's... It's almost like backwards using things that are used for marketing because there there are social media platforms that look at mining the data of what's being searched. So you can say pelvic pain and prolapse into that search engine and it will give you sites that are looking for it. It's a crawler. Oh, Uh, okay. so, So I'll use those to retrofit a search to find out what's being talked about. Yep about something um, because because there is a, a gap between what people are asking for information and the research that's out there that gives us credible evidence um, and the space that's between that is something that I think that us as clinicians can help to bridge of saying okay I know you guys are looking for this information like what to do with anterior wall prolapse but you're not being able to access the literature on it uh, in part because of paywalls and another because of just not the proper search words. Um, and, and we have an opportunity as clinicians to write blog posts and put out information to fill that space between what people are looking for and the literature. Um, so that's something I do in my spare time is see what are people looking for? Yeah, um, I've not uh, I've not done anything that way. Um, I think because generally I will stick with PubMed or my university database. And if you put a whole sentence in, it often will just say nothing. Like nothing will come up. It doesn't even take those little pieces of words. Because if you do put a whole sentence in, say, to PubMed, um, and it's a complicated sentence with a lot of words that can be a lot of things. I think often it just comes back with zero, not even looking for every article with every one of those words. I think it just confuses it, which is why finding the keywords and phrases is usually quite helpful. 
and that that's a really good point, Laurie, because when someone puts in, when they're like, I want to find out more about prolapse or I want to find out more about um, dyspareunia, the when if your question is so broad, there are some good search engines that will just tell you no results. It doesn't mean there isn't an answer for your question. It means your question's too broad to be answered. Hmm. And that's, so you have to refine it. So when you get that, when you get that eh, as an answer, it means, okay, ask a better question. We need to have a good question. We need to mm. have keywords um, that we need to consider spelling for. Um, we need to think about phrases like pelvic organ prolapse, that if you put that in and you don't put that phrase that you want kept together inside quotation marks, it gets mm-hmm. confused and you, it pulls up a whole bunch of different things. So um, same thing with pelvic pain. If you're specifically looking for pelvic pain, you can put pelvic and pain, and we'll come to those in just a second, or you can do pelvic right. pain in quotation marks or something like risk factors in quotation marks. But if you're trying to keep something together, it's often trying to use quotation marks to keep it together. And and don't be afraid to use the advanced search because you can also say within the last three years or within the last five years. And that that's helpful too. It is, but I find it funny because within our profession, um, because oh, I guess depending on what you're looking at, sometimes there's not a lot of research and you're like, just give me anything, please. Anything. Anything. Yeah, that's true. So I'm always afraid uh, of putting a timeline in. I'm like, nope, I just want everything you've got. <laughs> Um, so do you, so have you, I'm assuming, I didn't even realize there was a term for this. Um, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Boolean operators. Boolean, yeah. It is pronounced that, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We agree. That doesn't mean. <laughs> agree. <laughs> True. So that is the words and in capital letters or and not. So and or not in between the keywords or the phrases in order to help refine. So and will find both the words that you're looking for or will find either of those words and not will not look for that word. So when I was saying prolapse, um, often I will put, if I'm using prolapse as a term and I put pelvic or I'll put pelvic organ or pelvic and prolapse, not disc, it will find me all the prolapse articles, but it will not give me anything that has to do with a disc. Right. But it does get really confusing and fun. I want to put a little asterisk here for listeners and say, if the, if you're starting to think, but I just want to search things and now I'm confused, go to your local library. It doesn't even have to be a medical library or university library. Go to your like local library. The librarians understand these and, and they can help find searches. So you're not on your own on the internet. You actually can use the people in the libraries close to you. And certainly here in the US, there are tons of them in every community um, and people that are really interested in helping Um, because, because those Boolean phrases save you a lot of time. They, they are very elegant filters for what you're looking for. I guess. Yes. Uh, It can sound confusing if you're putting a whole bunch of things together, but even if you had two key phrases, um, you know, let's say cystocele and, exercise 
or something like that. Mm-hmm. As in, even just two words can can make it easy. But yeah, it does become Where, complicated and confusing. If you put cystocele uh, and exercise without the capitals or without quotations or those those keys, then you're going to get maybe nothing because yeah. there there may not be they may not get it, or you'll get a lot of articles on exercise and a lot of articles on cystocele, but not something that combines them. So and, using the proper phrasing. Yes. And what's really fun, so not because I'm trying to keep this um, a simple how-to. So yes, the Boolean operators can become really confusing and complex when you start to throw in parentheses in order to keep... I found, and maybe I'll put it in the show notes, when I was doing my first lit review... Um, a couple years ago, I had was trying to work out if I could start with a systematic review, but there just wasn't enough information. And I found the log that I had kept of all of the oh. different search terms that I had put in, and it was it was fun. <laughs> like just being able to look at and then I even put out like how many articles came up with those and sometimes it would be zero and sometimes it would be 7,000 and just trying to kind of work out so I might even put that at the end so people have an example of kind of different ways that you can search for it because sometimes you'll put it in um, and then all of a sudden you get nothing because it's not related to that word it might be bladder instead of cystocele right because you've made it too specific and now it's not picking up things that you want. Um, and that that's really the trick for when you're looking for, for research and evidence for a question that you have. It's also the trick that helps you be found when people that are looking for questions find you. So, so from a, a private practitioner's point of view, I want words on my my blog posts and I want words on my website that when someone types in Cystocele, Chicago, that our stuff shows up. Um, so these things work both directions, whether you're looking for evidence or you're trying to put out information that people who are looking for information can find. Um, but that's the also the reason why, as clinicians, I use Google Scholar, because I don't want to find all of your beautiful blog posts that you wrote for people. I want to find the literature that's going to help me write something good for people. I find um, what also helps me is if I've got a really good article, newer is better, but even if it's old, and I love that article, um, you look at the references that are listed on yes. the end of that, because all of a sudden, that's yeah. where the rabbit hole comes in, because then you're like, oh, I didn't even know that existed, and I'm going to go and read that, and then even, and I don't know what it is, but even now, I will put in the same, I swear, it's the same search yeah. terms, and articles come up that I have never seen before, and I'm like, how you know did I that miss is? this? No, why? Do you know why that is? That's because not the, it, there are people out there indexing articles. So it so wasn't there when I first looked. It and wasn't now there it is. when you first looked at it, but someone indexed it and now it's there. Ah, because I was like, how did I miss this? I swore I spent all this Didn't time searching. It. And however, again, because when you read that, minute, are, you forget. There are beautiful articles that are not indexed in PubMed. There are journals that write that publish good things that are not indexed in PubMed. And then when the, the journal becomes indexed, their stuff is available for you to see. Oh, because everything used to be print. Yeah. 
I don't or think... or the journal just isn't indexed in PubMed yet. Like the yeah. section on women's health journal isn't on there. It's not, uh, is it? No. Uh, see, and, so then and, that's yeah, then that's where you're looking at another search engine, which I think is one of the which tips. Is why Pedro, yes. So we go back to Pedro, which is beautiful, because not only do they you have another way to search, they also rank the articles based on their scoring system. So you have a a, a search and a indication of whether or not this is good. Um, where PubMed just says, here it is. And you get to decide whether it's good on your own or not. Um, you still should, but Pedro at least ranks it for you. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, so any other tips or tricks or ideas for people in order to search for an article or to find out what information, published information is out there um, when they've got a question? Yes. Well, the question is, is, is get it as defined as you can. So as clear as you can so that, that um, like, for example, if I want to know about uh, best, well, that's a, that's a bad question. Um, therapeutic interventions for anterior wall prolapse, as we talk about in the U.S., or a cystocele, um, you would need to put both of those because... But- as if an anterior wall. Anterior wall prolapse and cystocele in publications here, depending on who you're talking to, those mean the same thing. Um, and they you might, don't, might, but that's okay. You know, I know, I know. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, so, but you'll find things about, you know, what are you going to do for rehab for this? And... I will say, not a Boolean and, but I will also say, um, go to the, the like PubMed and put in those words as a, um, as a, a feed it to your inbox. Pedro will do the same thing. There's research to your inbox on there, or you can put search engines in PubMed by subject or by author. So if you know there's a researcher out there like like Dietz who's doing some good um, research or Hodges or Mosley or anybody that you're interested in the work that they're doing, you can put their names into a search and you set whether you want it to come once a week, once a month, um, and you'll get an email directly to your inbox with any articles that they come out with if it's an author or... Um, articles pertaining to keywords if it's a keyword that you're looking for. Which Mendeley does too, which is a reference software manager that we won't even get into right now because there's a whole bunch of others and that's not even the one I use, but that one's free (laughs) and they do look at what the articles that you do have and that you've kept and then send you ones they think you might find interesting as well along the same subject lines. And that's 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 a coordination and 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 keeping track of the evidence. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think the biggest thing is you need to do it. We we can't be good clinicians if we aren't keeping up with the evidence. Um, and we can't rely can- on other people. And I just and I I don't mind helping people. I just yeah I hope that people listening to this can understand how complex and confusing it can be, and that 
we still have to go through this same process in order to find someone else an article. Lots of failures and lots of, I think I saw that and then, and then retyping search words. Um, but that's the biggest thing. Um, keep, keep trying. There is good evidence out there. Don't just follow specific authors and follow some specific authors and some keywords because you'll find new researchers all the time. So if all you do is focus on... I might be one one day. You are going to be one. (laughs) And see, I would hate to miss your stuff. So so I'd want that. Um, But but this, this is implying an awful lot of time. And as a clinician, I don't have it. I try and give an hour a day to read. Um, things like this. So I, I have my system set up that PubMed and Pedro give me information to my inbox. So I get emails saying, hey, read this. Um, is find something that works for you on keywords and on authors that you trust, uh, researchers that you trust, and use it as a starting point. And then, Laura, you said earlier that look at the references in the articles because they yeah. give you a lot of more keywords to look at. Every article has a keyword, uh, five keywords on it. Yes. And you can use those to populate your search engine. Yeah. And do you know what I might do? But because I have an infographic addiction and it's my way of procrastinating, (gasps) maybe I'll make a little infographic on how to search. That would be fantastic. Okay. The biggest thing that I would say to someone is if you have a question and you put it into Google Scholar or PubMed or Google or Pedro Um, and you get nothing back that's usable for you, look at the keywords, look at the keywords that came up on your search and try again. Because there's so much information out there. Someone's got to have done it at some point um, or done something close. And And that can get you to what you're looking for. And I still do feel like um, social media has its place in saying, look, guys, I really have put in a lot of effort and searching and I really can't find anything. That's my classic. I've okay. I've looked this up. I'm crap at search words. I'm coming up with nothing. What should I have asked? And sometimes it's just like you said, a difference in spelling or a word that's not what I would have used. And, and if you really truly can't find anything, then that's a question that needs to be answered. So that's cool too, because that means that's something no one's asked yet. And some PhD student somewhere is going to be very excited by that. Or someone somewhere is going to be very excited because then they can become a PhD student. Exactly. Because then they'll have a question (laughs) that needs answering. That's perfect. Um, Thank you very much for um, giving me your time at night. (laughs) No worries. It's snowing here. Did I mention that? No, it's April 15th. (laughs) I cannot believe that I'm going to... I'm just going to be happy where I live. (laughs) 